We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, your time is 8-12. Listen, she comes in making fun of Trinity thrashing Amherst. Then she breaks the microphone. What do you, what, what's going to... I you said do, nothing. I said nothing. I just held up a mug this gigantic Trinity tri- College... Proud Trinity alum. That's yeah. all I said. Yeah. I said no words. Well, they beat Amherst forty nine to zero. Your your school got their heinies kicked. Took it to mean that I was mocking your school, well, which you, I was not. And you weren't. No, you I weren't. Just said they're not that good. Yeah. Well. Although you know what I did find out during the Amherst Trinity game that Amherst is from from the coaches um, that Amherst has um, because of the whole woke culture oh boy. Uh, has no has started not supporting their. Sports teams, and when you looked at on the sidelines, it the Amherst had the smallest amount of guys out there than any team we played. Well, I mean, I'm not I, the whole term "woke" thing. I think I'm not a fan of the term. By the way, Themis Claritus, uh, <laughs> uh, a former Senate candidate and Republican leader in the State House, joining us here for the whole hour. But what I would say is that um, that those schools, it's a challenge because there's so many quote-unquote stakeholders, they try to make everyone happy and heard. And you saw what went on with Harvard yesterday with those affinity groups, came out with a statement, you know, blaming Israel for what happened. And the institution didn't really say much. And a lot of people, like Seth Moulton, who's a congressman from Massachusetts, like, I've never been so ashamed of my alma mater, not for allowing them to say things like that. But, I mean, the schools are right now, like an Amherst is just – I don't. I think it's, they're a little lost. I guess is yeah, what I would say. I think that's probably right. And it's it's always been. I mean, it was very politically correct. You know, my friends who were very politically conservative in college in the early nineties, um, they felt that it was free speech was non-existent then, <clears throat> and so, you know, it's always been a challenge. The only one political science professor who was who was right leaning, and so it's always been a challenge. But I, I you know, I want to get. Do you want to? I mean, but I will say this. What we what we can agree on is the NESCAC has a long-standing history of strong like academics and athletics, right? Yeah. So the 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 idea that like sports will not be as supported as it was before. I mean, you see these amazing student athletes, right? They're little Ivies. I mean, that's yeah. that's what we've seen all these years, and it's you know it's wonderful to see young men that are great athletes and great students, and you know what they what they can do in the future with with that kind of training, and and to not see that. Um, it's sad to me. Well, I would just say that it takes, you know, from the the president of the institution to admissions, you have to have some mm-hmm. commitment to it to be decent because you have to have kids that can get in who can play. And so, you know, I'm good friends with the Amherst coach who's been there for like 25-something years. And, you know, he's at the mercy of, of the leadership. You know, he can only deliver good kids who apply, and, and he's not the one who gets them in. So... He's sort of at the mercy of it. Um, all I will say about the NESCAC football is that, you know, because I'm involved in hockey a lot, the level of football is like the same. It hasn't changed. And, you know, I mean, it's not, I don't think the football is that much better than it was 15 years ago. Whereas in other sports, I think it's like, and I think it's because if you're really fast in football, you go somewhere else. 
You know what I mean? Like if you're really good, you end up going somewhere else. Whereas I, I just feel like, yes, they're bigger, faster, stronger to some degree, but like the quality of footballs, it's not bad. I'm just saying it's kind but of the same. But it was always high. It was always high, right? It was, it's, it hasn't, it probably hasn't changed. I mean, I don't, I can't, I don't know how we, how we, um, measure you know, it, measure and what a parameter for that would be, but, um, it's always been a really high level of football. I mean, it, I, you know, I'm kind of just talking about sports in general, NESCAC sports. No, you think that the I student mean, listen, athlete, it's, it's, squash, it's a shame that it's you know, not number supported. Number one squash no, team in the, in, yeah, the, in the nation for years, Trinity, you know, all, all our sports teams. I mean, I just think it's great. It's a great, it's a great academic, I think, I think being, athletic Yeah, being conference. a D3 athlete is the best because you can be good at it, but you don't have to overcommit to the point where it sacrifices the ability to do well mm-hmm. in school and have fun. I mean, I think that's the key. We have friends, and we, we have to move on to other things, but we have friends who have... Um, a child playing, you know, major division one soccer and trying to graduate on time. And that person is working all the time, like not a lot of room for fun. And uh, that's, you know, in some ways is great because the kid's amazing, but it's also a little disappointing. Listen, these are the topics on the table here, Themis. Uh, we have to talk about Israel and the Palestinians in Gaza. Uh, I'd like to talk a little Hartford mayor, some Bridgeport ballots, mm-hmm. uh, House of Representative Speaker, um, a whole bunch of different things. All right, we're back with Themis Claritus. So uh, let's talk about, um, since, you know, I know you have a lot to say about it, Israel, the Palestinians in Gaza. You know, I, I, I keep getting back to, like, this cyclical violence doesn't get us anywhere near peace. And then I sort of said to the professor I talked to earlier that I think that for certain, like Hamas and Iran, they don't want peace. They want Israel to be destroyed. So mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to negotiate with that. Um, what are your thoughts? You know, and that's where kind of Hamas had their uprising, right? When it was supposed to be the, the Oslo Accord, right. peace accord. So there was going to be a deal, like they're on the verge of a deal, that that Palestine and and Israel were were going to kind of coexist, right? Which is what everybody would hope for at some point, and 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 has all along. And they didn't like it, and so then that's how they came to being. They didn't think the you know <clears throat> the PLO was was representing the Palestinian people in the proper way. And and so they came into being and they and then all of a sudden, you know, there's car bombings and killing people and like this is a good way to handle it. And and their complete mission, utter mission is to extinguish the entire state of Israel and its people. You know, so this is what you're dealing with. You're not dealing with a group that right. wants that wants to meet in the middle. But then you know? Israel goes into Gaza and they're blowing everything up and they're killing lots of non Hamas People Listen, killing. We don't want anybody to be killed, obviously. And and this is, I mean, this is way beyond your and I pay grade, right? As to this is. This but it is sounds like the pay grade above us isn't doing a very good job. But historically, you know, like the worst conflict basically in the world. It might be an unsolvable problem. Right. It might. It might be. It might be. But I'll tell you this. You know, I I think that we've all heard it and read it and seen it that Iran is behind this. You know, Iran Iranians are bad people. Um, they want Israel extinguished also. I mean, when you want an entire, an entire people extinguished and you want the entire country and what they believe in and their religion gone, I mean, there's a problem. I mean, there's a problem here. What makes me sad and what scares me, and, you know, we were talking a little bit about this before, is they, want, they did this and they want Israel to retaliate, which they're going to. Which they are. They have to defend themselves. I mean, they're going to do it. And... A lot of people are going to be killed, and then Iran and Hamas and you know anybody that's going along for that ride 
are going to be like, well, look at what you did. It's a horrible thing. You killed people. So now we, you know, we can do what we have to do. Right. So and you, it's never going to end. And it's just, it's just horrible. So you're in, firmly in the camp that this was sort of timed to scuttle the Saudi Arabia deal. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, right. listen, none of us know for sure. But when you look at all the data points along the way, that's the only thing that was really happening that was right. different than it happened When you before. say, like, why now? You right. know, that's, that, right. that's what's behind it. Yeah, for me, I, I just think that and then people talk about the intelligence failures. I, 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 in knowing a lot of people and being in that region before, I just think there's also there was a lot of complacency in Israel. I think they didn't, they didn't, they were, they were just, they didn't think it could ever happen, and they they're arguing over the courts when, you know, they're still surrounded by enemies. And I, I think that if forget about the revenge part of it, which I'm not sure how I feel about, but they they have to be vigilant all the time because they're surrounded by. You know, my kids ask me all the time, like, you know, what, what, what's the deal? And I, I was like, the odds are not in favor of long-term survival when you're surrounded by enemies, mm-hmm. you know, and when they're s- so confident in their ability to stay where they are, it, they sort of were blind to the fact that they're still surrounded by enemies. Although, although what I, I find, what I struggle with is that Israel and complacency do not usually go hand in hand. But I mean, look I, mean, at I, I know. It, I, I mean, I, like, right? I mean, we we see. I mean, their that's military, sort of the point. Their, I mean, their intelligence, their everything that everything that they're about. You know, that I've always said, like, I want to be on an Israeli plane if right. I'm going to fly somewhere because going in, going, you know, El Al and and but and, isn't and it sort of that, like I understand? But isn't it sort of like moving? Safe. They you, know what they're doing. You, they, they nobody's blowing up their planes and all this stuff. But you move to a town that the reputation is the schools are so great, and then you get to the town, you're like, well, this reputation they're riding on the coattails of reputation. The schools are 25 years old, and this, you know, like my point is, is that I think that that is the reputation. But what we saw in the last week is that that may not be the way it actually is right now. Right. I mean, what we saw. I mean, I, I don't. I don't think any of us understand. And and when you listen to the experts and you know, everyone else, you can't imagine how they didn't know this was happening. Right. Like how they didn't know this was happening. I right. just. It's just hard for me to reconcile that Israel would have gotten complacent. It's hard for me to even understand that. But because I think it's they what are happened. People. They are a people that that have lit has lived. You know, I always said when nine eleven happened here. In our lifetime, we never understood what it was like to be in fear. Mm-hmm. Like our lifetime, right? Our parents did. You couldn't you know, fathom couldn't it. Couldn't understand, yeah. like, yeah. and it couldn't understand what it was like to look at a group of people and 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 be in fear or question them just because of this, their skin color or their religion or whatever. And and it went back in my mind to you know Israelis that would just go and have pizza with their with their family and. Be afraid that the place could be bombed. I mean, Israelis have lived with that for generations, and it's it's sad to to be tainted in such a way that you you live it like that. But because of that, they have been so vigilant about it, and I and I don't understand how it happened. I mean, you know, I get what you're saying. I just find that difficult. Yeah, to, I mean, but understand. I think I, I don't know. I feel like it's real. I mean, ultimately. We want to talk about a lot of domestic issues, but we have about a minute and a half here before we break again. So let's just, you know, continue on this thread. How do you think that what what role does the U.S. play and how do you think this it's not going to end because I don't think it'll ever end. But I mean, what what is the next phase of this whole conflict? Well, what we've seen as a reaction to it, 
We've seen Great Britain, for example, saying, we're with you, whatever whatever you need, we're here. What does that mean? No, no, but I, but it means, they. but they've never taken a position. Like, different places haven't taken, they've never taken a position like that before. You know, I think because they, you know, they tried to be the good guys and, you know, and be the neutral guys. Well, they weren't so great in, like, 1948, well, by the way. Obviously, but... You've seen people take positions that they haven't taken before, and I think you know Britain is one is one example. I don't know what happens, but as far as is our country, I mean, listen, I think that we have supported Israel. They have been our greatest ally for many years, and I think we need to continue to do whatever is necessary. Because back to the conversation about when we talk about Ukraine, right? It is our it's our responsibility to take care of our people first. I completely agree and 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 support that. But it's also our responsibility as the greatest power in the world to make sure democracy reigns, right? To make sure people that want to live independently reign. I mean, you, Putin, it, Putin's in bed with China now. That's our biggest fear. So you're right? so uh, you're one of the Republicans sure. who still fully, yes. full throatedly in support yes, of, of supporting Ukraine. I am. All right, we'll take we'll we'll put a pin in that, and we'll come back. We'll talk about. I really want to talk about the House Speaker stuff mm. too, and then go to some local stuff. I want to talk about the ballot issue in Bridgeport as well. We're talking with Themis Claritus, uh, former Senate candidate and House leader here in Connecticut, uh, Republican. All right, we're back with Themis Claritus. We're yakking about the Yankees and the Red Sox, but I actually want I want to get to some other s- stuff politically because you know as a career Republican at the local level. When you watch what's going on in D.C., like what, what goes through your mind? It, it's it's heartbreaking and disgusts me all at the same time. I mean, listen, I was leader for six years, and and it's hard. It's hard to lead a caucus. It's hard because everybody doesn't love you all the time, which is hard for your ego, but it's hard to manage, you know. And I actually was challenged one year. Uh, as leader, my first my first reelection, and it was from, you know the 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 far right the, of the party. Well, I mean, listen the 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 Freedom Caucus, so to speak, and it was difficult. It was very difficult because what that does is it 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 breaks the caucus up, and you know obviously I was successful in the end. Sorry, go ahead. In, they just, we got interrupted by something. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, obviously I was successful in the end, and. And in a situation like that, though, you have you have three choices. One is to completely isolate that group that challenges you, which is not helpful. The other is to completely kowtow to that group that challenges you, which, which is, is what McCarthy did, which is what McCarthy did, which is not helpful. And, you know, I think I did with you know a, a relative level of success um, to bring that group in. So you say you're all one group. I mean, how do you do that? How, how do you do that? They, well, I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, I did it because I realized and recognized, you know, we sat down, we talked about what, you know, what their issues were and their concerns with and, and, and brought them in because they had good ideas and they, and we agreed on way more than we disagreed right, on. But, so we're part of the group. This is different in Washington because these well, people. They said, they said to McCarthy, you need us to become speaker and we're not going to vote for you unless you do X. Right. And, and so he problem. said, okay, you can do X and he becomes the speaker and I don't know how else he could have managed that group because he wanted to be speaker so badly. And mm-hmm. ultimately, this is what I arrive at, is that when you just want the position, you can't succeed unless you really have policy that you care about. And after in his, in his speech after he was vacated, he said all this stuff about 
that I had never heard him say before. So, listen, I, I, I think it's unfortunate he got filleted for making a deal because I think we should be making deals even in a bipartisan way. But he also sold his soul and he really didn't show any character other than he wanted the job. And that's no way to succeed. Right. I mean, we all followed, any of us in politics followed the, you know, Kevin McCarthy's um, path to become speaker and the numerous ballots that that got him there. Absolutely. You need to make deals and you need to negotiate. And, you know, anybody we hear a lot these days about, oh, if you make a deal or you negotiate, you compromise. Any of those words are synonyms for you're giving in, which is not true. Life is about compromise because we all we're not we're not dictators right none any of us can't aren't in control uh, um solely but the things he made the deals about i mean the fact that you can say of all the members of the house of representatives one person can file a motion to vacate the speaker is ridiculous and and it's not what anybody ever believed should be the case. Should be the case. And he did it because, right, he wanted to be speaker more than anything else. And for me, you know, like I said, I wanted to be leader, but I also needed to be able to put my head on the pillow at night and say, I did the right thing. And he knew he didn't. He just wanted to get there. And and the second he made that deal, any of us on the inside that kind of understand how any of this works knew that was a recipe for his, his yeah. downfall. And I'm surprised it didn't happen sooner. But the fact that this happened... You know, and the people that are that believed he didn't do a good job for them never wanted him in the first place, right? Didn't want him to be there because they didn't believe he was he was quote unquote Republican enough, which is just you know the, the language we use. I mean, you said you didn't like the word woke. I don't like rhino. I don't like you're not Republican enough. You're not Democrat enough. You're not conservative enough. 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 You know, there our parameter now in the Republican Party is: Do you support Donald Trump or do you not? No, McCarthy supported Donald Trump, but still, he wasn't enough. Well, so that, that we're talking with Emma Claritus, Republican, former Republican leader and uh, former Senate candidate here on Bryan and Company. That that brings me to like, okay, I'm in, I'm big into moving forward. What does this do? What are the broader implications for the Republican Party? What are the broader implications for the next election? And and the third question, which I'll repeat because we won't get to it right away, is who's going to be the speaker? Mm-hmm. So, like, what what does this is this like destructive to the Republican Party? I think it's very destructive. I think it, it's I mean, we saw what happened last election where the Republicans were supposed to win by large amounts, the red wave. have a huge majority yeah. uh, in in the last November election. And it wasn't for, for lots of reasons. And people were voting anti-Republican. Right. That's that was part of the problem. And because of that, the majority in Washington was a lot less. And because of that, Kevin McCarthy had to make the deals to become speaker. Because if there were a lot more Republicans He there, wouldn't have had to do that. Didn't right. have to do that. It allowed that group to hold him hostage and what I believe hold Republican Party hostage. But do they lose the House now I in think, 24? I, I think it is that there is very serious concern that with, with what's going on with this speaker situation that it could adversely affect who wins. Next November, it's gonna. I think it's gonna affect a lot of House races all over the country. You know, you see Jim Jordan and you see um, Steve Scalise, who seem to be the two front runners right. that, ha- that have the most votes. Um, I assume you would support Scalise over Jordan. Is, it, what, is that a fair assumption for me to make? 
I just feel like based on knowing you. Most likely, most likely. But, you know, the other problem is we don't know what deals those two have made. Right? Like, we don't know what deals those two have made. I mean, the McCarthy deals were public because it was on TV and we saw every single who was yelling at who, right, on C-SPAN. And we saw, you know, every the cameras were on the floor of the house. And we don't know what deal Scalise and Jordan have made. So I don't know who I would support. You know, if I were there, because I would have to know oh, what, come what, on. what promises. I mean, if those are my two choices, I would support Scalise. All I mean, right. I'm sure. We're gonna, but again, I need to know who's, who promised what, because I, you make promises that you can't keep or shouldn't keep. We're going to do Bridgeport. What are you going to do if it's Biden versus Trump? Oh, Brian. What are you going to do? Well, I mean, are, neither, neither one of those two are people I couldn't support. Neither one are people you couldn't support? I could not support either one. So you don't vote? No, I'm I can write in again. Would you go third party? Would you go no? Are you a no labeler? Are you a? Oh, well, listen! If no labels put up somebody that I believed, you know, Huntsman, would, would Huntsman and Mansion, John Huntsman and Joe Mansion. Listen, I'm I'm open minded to that. All I know is I have but to. But a see no who, for Trump and a no for up. Biden. Correct. All right, we're hot. Um, <laughs> 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 we talk. The conversation continues off mic. Uh, when we're we're doing other things, I I have to get to some local stuff. Even though I'd love to talk more presidential politics, because I, maybe I'll squeeze something in at the end. Because I'm like so sort of addicted to the real clear politics averages in every poll every day. But I'm curious to what your thought is about what's going on in Bridgeport. And the larger question is, and it's been raised, and I don't think it's unfair to raise it. Well, if this is the case here, how do we know it's not happening in more places? And just what are your thoughts? Well, that's that's the real question. You know, I mean, we we've heard we've heard from the beginning of time that, you know, elections are rigged and and all these things are happening. Now, there's clear, you know, there's clearly things going on. We see it in Bridgeport. I mean, I think sadly we see it in Bridgeport probably every election, um, which is interesting and horrifying at the same time. Do you believe in the narrative that, that this is was Gannon was making sure he he won? I mean, is that your take? That's what it appears to be. I'm not going to say that because we none of us really know, you know, how I'm this sorry, went you're down. You're an attorney. That's good. Yeah. Well, it's the truth. I yeah. mean, listen, I'm not going to say somebody's guilty when you committed don't know. a felony yeah, right. if I have no you're idea. Right. You're right. Um, but but it goes back to we should have as many people vote as long as it's as safe as it can be, right? Our first concern is election safety. You know, people talk about they like absentee ballots, they, they don't, no, you know, they, they like early voting, they don't. This is really about making sure that people in this country have trust in the in the election process. You know, when we put in those those uh, voting, you know, the boxes outside of city halls and, and, and the like, where you can just put your ballot in, mm-hmm. Republicans, I mean, I was leader at the time, Republicans argued very strongly that there's going to be abuse. And look look, look what we see now. I mean, I, I get we want to make it easier for people to vote, but I'm sorry. Election day is one day out of the year. You have the ability to vote absentee. You have the ability to go in earlier. You have all these abilities. and and But when we allow people to take advantage Human nature is they're going to at a certain point. Right. So it's our job as, as government officials and it's our job as citizens to demand of our elected officials that they do everything they can to limit 
the abuse. And I don't think we're doing that. So would you just get rid of ballot boxes? Like, how would you? Like, I, I never always... liked the ballot boxes to begin with. Right. I, you know, I was public about the, the ballot box issue. And now you're never going to, with anything else, right? You're never going to stop all abuse. But we have to do everything we can to stop as much abuse as possible. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I'm reading, you know, this, um, the the book that's coming out that's got a Scorsese movie, the the killing the flower or whatever, the flower moon or, or whatever. And you realize, you know, it talks about the early FBI and how justice sort of police work, how corrupt, even in the 20th century, our institutions were. It's like America's never really had it perfect. Mm-hmm. We've ne- we've always had these issues. And we never will. I mean, perfect is one thing, right? Perfect is one thing. We should We should strive for perfection and accept, you know, one level below that. But unless we strive for perfection, how are we ever going to get a, a system that people have trust in? This is about, I mean, we've heard it in the past several years a lot, right? About rig, this, that, everything. I mean, I think that's a stretch, but abuse is abuse. Well, I guess th- these are these are generalities you're talking about that make sense. But specifically, what does that mean? Does it mean we now have to be firmer on voter ID, get yeah. rid of the well, ballot listen, boxes? I, I absolutely support a, you know, a picture ID when people vote. I mean, the fact that I can go, I can go to a different town. I mean, I've lived in a couple towns in Connecticut and I can go and each one of them kind of has a different level of, of, of demand for what you vote. I mean, the fact that I can take a utility bill and just show it to you. I mean, I could pick that up from the, from the ground. Now in a little town, it's one thing because most people know everybody, but in bigger towns and cities, it's a different story altogether. I mean, I think we need picture ID. I mean, I think we need that. I don't understand why if I ask this question so many times, people get sick of it. But why is it partisan or racist to want an ID? Well, the claim is, I'll just tell you what I've what has been told to me when when I and and many others have put these bills in year after year and debated these issues. It's racist because they claim that you know lower income people, which are typically minorities, more than not. Uh, do not have the ability to have a driver's license. Well, we even put in put in the ability for if people didn't have a driver's license to go to their town hall or city hall and get a picture ID, right? So you have a picture ID. I mean, you need a picture ID to go get the whatever the Sudafed off the off the the shelf sure. in CVS to buy tobacco or alcohol right? or what have you. I mean, and you don't to vote like one of our greatest. Like liberties. Yeah, I've in never this understood, country. and I don't know anybody. And of course, maybe I'm self-selecting with an elitist crowd, but I don't know anybody who doesn't have an identification. You are self-selecting, because I agree with you. Because it's common sense, right? This is not the answer to everything nowadays. Is oh, it's because you're racist. Like I'm sorry, there's racism, and it's a horrible thing, and we should not accept it. We should do everything we can to stop it. But saying when you go to vote that you should show a photo ID is not racist. If you believe that what went on in Bridgeport and what goes on in different places is wrong, which clearly, if you don't, then there's something wrong with you, then you should do support whatever's necessary to, to stop that from happening, you know? And, and picture ID is something we've been pushing for years and years that we get stopped year after year. It's a fascinating topic because I don't really under I st- I all the things you say make sense. I I, I don't understand. It makes sense to me too, but apparently they don't make sense to everybody. Yeah, I I, I don't get it. Uh, Hartford Mayor, I mean, you have a personal connection, so um, 
You think you know, Coleman's on the ballot? Obviously, you think it's a fait accompli at this point? Or? Well, listen, I'm knocking on wood because it's an election, so nothing's ever a fait accompli. But I think the right person won the primary. I think Arunin will do a great job as mayor. I think it's unfortunate that Eric Coleman uh, is now on the ballot again. Um, he didn't really even get swear because, you know, sad. we're talking about Arunin Arampalam, who won the Democratic primary and now he's going against a Republican challenger, but it's such an sh- incredibly Democratic city that it's almost impossible to win. Um, but uh, Judge Coleman is still on the ballot for the general election, but he didn't really even campaign that hard. No, like- but he never. But listen, that that's that's Eric Coleman's mo. He was state senator for many years. You know, he didn't never campaign that hard for that. You know, became a judge. He should have just stayed there, become a trial referee, and, and enjoyed his life. Uh, but he decided he wanted to run for mayor. And, you know, from the school of, of politics I come from, when you want to run for something, that's because you really believe in what you're doing. And you and you bust your butt to make it happen. And he didn't. And he didn't. And he lost. And he should have lost. And now all of a sudden, now he wants to go and play around. And what is he writing now? Mm-hmm. No, he's on the ballot. I mean, he's on the ballot. I don't I know how it, we... I thought it was. I thought Because if you're he... a write-in, you get written in. So I know. but But I thought that. That John Fonfara and Eric Coleman, after the primary, made the decision that they weren't going to run, and then in the general election, and then subsequent to that, he made the decision that he was somehow. I, whatever it is, you know. What I mean, it's ego. It's straight out ego, and uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of his, and I think it's unfortunate that that he wants this to happen because I don't know what what he thinks the result is going to be. But again. Elections, I'm knocking on one again and ruining. Anything can happen, but uh, he's the best man for the job. It's a tough job. I mean, I have to tell it's you, it's, it's watching, job. you know, Mayor Bronin. In some, it's almost like, it, I'm not saying it's not a winnable thing, but like it's really difficult to turn things around in Hartford. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be trying like heck, but it's it's a hard hard thing. Final words, we got about 10, 15 seconds here. It goes so fast. Um, final thoughts on anything in the world? Yankees, Red Sox, Cooperstown, uh, training football? I am, I am brokenhearted over what happened. I'm hoping we make some real changes this offseason. was at Cooperstown yesterday. Although I love baseball, it's my favorite sport, and Hall of Fame was amazing. No Thurman Munson still disgusts me. You think Shame on there? the baseball writers. Shame on them. It's great to see you. You too. Good conversation. Themis Claritis with us here. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.